Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer living and working in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your host, Anne Remy. I'm a counseling psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and trauma specialist living in Brighton, UK. On this show, we interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. But we're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level, from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. Annie Banani. Oh, no, never. (laughs) Okay, won't do that again. (laughs) No. No. It's just that only my grandpa was allowed to call me Annie, and he's dead. So So that's um, how that turned out. Annie is is not for me. <laughs> oh. Such a strong reaction. I know. That. I love it. And everyone heard it live. Welcome to Conversations yep. with a Wounded Healer, everyone. Welcome. Hello. This is not Annie. It is Anne. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, fun fact, my partner put me in his phone as Annie to piss me off oh. and then sends my contact to people, but it sends as Annie. So uh-uh. mm-hmm. I've had to correct people quite a lot. So oh my gosh. It's a thing. That's silliness. No shade to the Annies out there. Right. Just not. Yeah. That's just that's not, not my you. Name. That's not for me. Mm. I love it. That's not my name. That's not my name. They call me. My name. I can't remember the words that the names. Anyway, Stacey. we're digressing. Where do we go first? I think first I should talk about my session with John, Jonathan, John. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So listeners, if you were listening to the previous episode, you just heard John Gassianica and Ann and I talk with him and my mind was blown and he was like, oh, I'll do a session with you. And finally, after my voice got better, uh, sadly, my back pain came back. So I reached out to him. We had a session yesterday. Holy shit, Ann. Um, It was probably like 20 minutes in And I didn't – well, I have kind of realized basically all of my muscles are tense all of the time. Mm. Every person who puts hands on my body, my chiropractor, massage Mm -hmm. therapist, my acupuncture, everyone is like, you are hard as a rock. Mm -hmm. And within 20 minutes of conversation with John, we weren't even really doing the pain reprocessing stuff yet other than he was just sort of like checking in with what might have been causing the pain. Um, My legs released. I have never felt, and I'm trying to like create space for it to open right now and happen again, but it's not like, (laughs) I just need to like keep him in my pocket and listen to him all the time. But yeah, my legs released, which then let my back release. So the back pain went away. It totally went away. And I was like blown away by the whole thing. And what's wild and I think really helpful realization is so we were we were sort of talking about like what may have caused it and he was asking sort of when things got worse and I was like oh it was April and in my head this whole time I'm like oh this is all you know childhood trauma you know being Mm -hmm. resurfacing in my body turns out a lot of it has to do with selling my business And yeah, I believe that. Right. All of the stuff leading up to it. And so it was a lot about recognizing all of the holding that I've been doing for the Mm. practice for 10 years Mm. and then now letting go of that. But my body not responding to being safe and being okay, and instead clenching. It's magic. It really is. Oh, I'm so happy you had that experience. And it just makes me even more excited. I'm doing his training in January. And I'm now I'm extra excited. Yeah. I I recently, when we're recording this, recently finished my EMDR certification. And there's a lot of similarities. Like there's a lot of overlapping in the way that mm, I EMDR can work with chronic pain. And I had a very similar experience in my EMDR training, receiving EMDR and feeling my whole body mm. release as well and so i'm really curious to learn about the overlaps and yeah to learn from john and yeah oh what a cool experience you had super duper cool so yeah i mean maybe we should put the info to that training in the show notes if people are interested in joining because yeah yeah awesome 
Let's train together, everybody, and help everybody with their chronic pain. Let's train together. Yes. So I wanted to mention that before I move on and talk about today's guest, we should just mention a couple ways you can support the podcast. Don't forget, we have merch at tinyurl.com slash CWH merch. So you can buy t-shirts or tote bags and stickers, all kinds of things that you can get. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which we appreciate very much, please, and thank you. And then if you want to give us a little moolah, mm-hmm. you can go to patreon.com slash convos with a wounded healer. And Anne and I are cooking up some fun, exciting stuff in the new year that uh, we're going to release some more stuff on Patreon. So it's not just yeah. going there and saying, thank you, here's some money, but we'll actually give you something for it. So, <laughs> so please, so please consider that. Besides our gratitude. Besides our gratitude. We'll give you something besides our gratitude. Yes. So Anne, what did you think of the episode with Heather? I loved it so much. The end. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So I'm very interested in psychedelic support in therapy. So listening to her was was really interesting to me. And I loved hearing about her experiences with psychedelics. Yeah, I just thought she was great. Yeah. And you had mentioned I should probably describe more about NARM, the neuroaffective relational model. Mm. So so we met, I guess it was probably 2019 when we started that train. It was because it was before the pandemic days. So NARM, neuroaffective relational model. If you go to NARMtraining.com, you can find all the information about it. But it's essentially a training modality that focuses on healing developmental trauma. Mm-hmm. And it's really deep and, yeah, gets to, yeah, very, very deep places. And so uh, that's kind of what she was talking about, like having her ass handed to her <laughs> in that training because I think we all got our asses handed to us. And speaking of getting our asses handed to us, I happened to do ketamine last night. Oh. And so I did it before, which mm-hmm. I describe in the episode mm-hmm. with my psychiatrist at his office. I got my psychiatrist to prescribe some trochies to me, which are lozenges, which we talk about in this episode. Mm -hmm. I fear I did too much. (laughs) Because my experience was probably 500 times stronger than what I did with the nasal spray. So I'm not really ready to talk about what happened yet Mm -hmm. because I I feel like I need some more integration, but I just thought it was really funny. And I I literally messaged Heather this morning. I was like, um, can I talk to you? Because I need some, I have some questions that I need answered. Um, And I will talk to my psychiatrist as well, of course. But uh, yeah, that was my first time with trochies. And Rich's favorite quote, I'll just, I'll leave you with this. Rich's favorite quote from something that I I said uh, while I was under the influence was he said, you took a deep breath and went, I can breathe like a horse. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So TBD. TBD. So as you guys were talking about your experiences, so earlier this year, and I couldn't even tell you what month it was, but sometime this calendar year, I had a guided mushroom journey. Mm. It was a one-on-one thing, and it was my first experience with psilocybin. And when Heather talks about everything kind of like reducing back to love, I was like, that's exactly it's exactly what my experience was, right? Mm. There was a lot of crying, a lot of like sadness. And then just like, I was born happy. I was so happy to be born. Mm-hmm. And how just great everything is. And that, it's interesting because you you two also talk about non-psychedelic, psychedelic experiences. So, mm-hmm. which I've also experienced through breath work mm-hmm. and actually through EMDR. And it's funny because my, what, I, yeah, oh yeah, what I've noticed is my pattern, what I experienced through EMDR and through breath work is some type of pain will come up for me. And mm. this is exactly what happened in my mushroom journey. And I have a moment and I get, like, I feel the pain and I experience the pain 
and then I get angry and then I get sad and then I cry and then it's like the waves crashing on the shore and mm. I just start laughing. Oh wow. And and it's always it's the exact same thing for me. I laugh and I'm like this is all so stupid. Why do I worry right. about this? Yes. This is also yes. stupid. And everything devolves into me just laughing and going, this is stupid, right? Yeah. Even even with EMDR, I'm perfectly sober. Mm-hmm. And then it all kind of, then a sort of like, oh, the patriarchy is so dumb <laughs> every time. That's what, that's what it, it's just That's like, really funny. Yeah, it's every, t- every single thing. It's just like, God, who made these dumbass rules? Imagine just being like, you have to create these dumb rules to feel better about yourself. That's awesome. Awesome. I love it. Wow. Psychedelics mean the patriarchy is dumb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. A a lot of things mean that, but psychedelics remind you. (laughs) And so for me, so does breathwork and EMDR and basically everything. So I love that. I I will be very curious as you continue to process that experience to hear Mm -hmm. more about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sarah Suzuki, my BFF, she has a ton of psychedelic experience and also has, she's only done intravenous ketamine, I think. So I called her this morning and I was like, I, I need to integrate this trip. And she was basically like, it sounds like you were used to the wave pools of Ohio, but then you ended up in the ocean in Hawaii. And I was like, yeah, it's sort of like I packed for a different trip. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So I just I need more time uh, to mm-hmm. be with the experience before. Yeah, because it did not go. Everything is love, but I had a great time and I laughed and I breathed like a horse. So hey, hey is for horses. So hey. well done. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's introduce today's guest. Don't <laughs> to take my microphone away. Right. Okay. So Heather Friedman is the owner of Tree Life Psychotherapy, where she treats a wide variety of clients for PTSD, CPTSD, mood and anxiety disorders. While she's been trained in many modalities over her 12-year career, her heart belongs to NARM, EMDR, and most recently, psychedelic-assisted therapy. When she's not busy with the work of healing, you can find her gardening, writing, snuggling her hounds, and being with the people she loves. So please enjoy my conversation with Heather Friedman. Yeah. Are you a therapist stepping into leadership for the first time? Or maybe you've been in a leadership position for a while, but are bumping up against new struggles. It's a transformative journey and one that can be deeply rewarding, but also filled with unique challenges. Many therapists find themselves in leadership positions because of their exceptional therapeutic skills, yet leading, supervising, or managing others requires a whole new set of competencies not covered in graduate school. Our Authentic Leadership Group is here to help you become the authentic and wholehearted leader you aspire to be. And we believe this journey is best undertaken with the guidance of experienced mentors alongside fellow learners. Authentic Leaders will run February 2024 through September, meeting once monthly on Fridays for 90 minutes. Join me in this journey of self-discovery and leadership mastery, where you'll enhance your leadership skills and forge meaningful connections with fellow therapists who are committed to their own growth and the betterment of the therapy field. To join me and start registration, go to www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash authentic dash leaders dash group. That's headheartbiztherapy.com slash authentic dash leaders dash group. Hello, Heather. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Good. Is, have you done a podcast before? No, I haven't. I'm popping your podcast cherry. You absolutely are, which is, you know, like you're nervous the first time in all things. So, yeah. right. You sh- yeah. If you weren't nervous and you'd never done this before, I would think you were a psychopath. Exactly. And yeah. I try to strive to not be a psychopath. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, you're in the right place. Sweet. <laughs> Well, do you want to tell listeners, like, what's your 30-second, like, who you are and what you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I'm a psychotherapist. I work in Bedford, New Hampshire. I own my own practice, Tree of Life Psychotherapy and Counseling. And there I treat PTSD, CPTSD, and I am currently moving slowly but surely into the psychedelic-assisted therapy space, which is... Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, it's really exciting. I just finished almost a year 
of training with IPI, the Integrative Psychiatric Institute. So yeah, it's been, it's so exciting. I'm very excited about all the things that I'm going to be doing coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And we met in NARM. We did meet in NARM. Bless, blessed NARM. <laughs> blessed NARM. Blessed NARM. Yeah. And it's funny, you are a person in trainings who doesn't say very much. I don't. And so I didn't really get to know you very well, but we became Facebook friends and you are wild on social media <laughs> and I love it. I was like, this bitch is so funny and she was hiding this shit from me. Rude. I do. I do. That Those training experiences were intense. I don't think I was prepared for really? all that happens. And, you know, traveling to a training like that by yourself where, you know, you're getting hit in the face with, you know, like your, your diary on a <laughs> PowerPoint in a room full of 50 people was it was an intense experience. So yeah, yeah. I was much more guarded during that whole time. Yeah. And how many dogs do you have? Because this is what this is the social content that I love. Uh, I do. Post. I have they're my feminist lady greyhound pack. I have a retired racing greyhound, and I have oh. two Italian greyhounds. And they all are very fierce and have a lot of personality. And I don't, I didn't set out to have three dogs, but I, I, I have three dogs. So, and their <laughs> faces happens. are everything. <laughs> they have good faces. They have very expressive faces. They so. do. They do. They have a lot of feelings. So they're in the right house. <laughs> they have a lot of feelings. <laughs> Babies. I know they are. Oh. And. We're both witches. Yes, we are. So that's another thing we share. It is a thing we share. It's such a beautiful, magical thing to share. And it's so nice that there's finally, I feel like, space in the world to talk about having a different set of spiritual beliefs. Yeah. And not feeling like totally, I don't know, ostracized for it or people just laughing yeah. at you. So I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's begin with your therapist origin story. Because oh. I like it's kind of like superhero origin stories, okay. right? Like, how did it all begin? Did you fall in a vat of acid? Like, what? <laughs> how did you get here? Okay. So, my superhero therapist origin story came from people who, you know, I started with people who didn't really talk about anything ever. Mm -hmm. And being very young and, you know, a little rebellious and having a sense that this is not right. Mm -hmm. And just always having, you know, a, a slant, I think, towards justice in the world mm -hmm. and just seeing how cruel and cold people can be and not wanting to be a part of that. Yeah. But also accepting that, like, okay, I have to live in the world. Like, I like life, so I'm going to be alive. So I think that combined with my just my love and fascination and curiosity of human beings in general, mm -hmm. I think we're all so amazing. You know, we all hold these little universes inside of us that are so they just have so much potential. And, you know, I always wanted to know, you know, why do people do the things they do? And mm -hmm. like I wrote like my senior paper on, you know, why teenagers run away and how, you know, they're not bad kids and they just need love. And, and so I've always, I don't know, it's just always been in me. And so, you know, I went to college and I almost went to medical school actually to be a dermatologist because huh. I thought that would be fun. And at the end of the day, I was like, no, I think this is where my spirit needs to be. So rather than popping yeah. pimples, you are here. And I could be draining cysts on like TikTok or something, but now I'm here <laughs> doing therapy instead and talking to you. Oh, and tell me about your journey to like witchiness. Oh, I have been a witchy human for so long. Like even as a child, 
I used to, you know, in bad days, I would go out and make like these little mud mountains and I would find a pretty rock and I would talk to the rock and I would put my stuff into the rock and then I would put it in the mountain and I would like put a little flower on it and be like, okay, now, you know, the the land is blessing this rock and and taking all of my stuff for me. So like, I don't know. It's, it's always just been very like instinctual in me. And I just feel very like drawn and very strongly connected to nature. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, you know, being witchy is just a path into that. Yeah. Yeah. I, for the first time, I wish I could turn my camera around and show you in my office. I have plants. Like I'll have to text you after this. Like, yeah, I want to see tendrils, plants, like <gasps> dripping everywhere. All of a sudden, I can grow plants. I'm fucking That's Mother Earth over here. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like I That's- moved to this house and it has light and. I guess that's what plants need. I didn't know that. They do. They do need some light. They do. They need light. They need water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind words like people. Yes. Yeah. And magic. And magic. Yes. Do you practice anything right now? Like, do you have any mystical things you do on a regular basis? So I definitely try at the at the and, and I'm gonna fully admit here, like. I miss some of the witchy holidays and times of year (laughs) just because life gets in the way. I know. But I definitely always try to do an end of the year cleansing. I do make sure I have a New Year's intention setting where, you know, I, you know, do my sigils and I'll burn them and I'll, you know, Mm -hmm. take my peace with them. I definitely meditate on a regular basis Mm -hmm. to connect to my own personal power. You know, I like to have time out in my garden and Mm -hmm. I definitely, you know, use that to ground and talk with my plants. I would love to like find a coven. I have a friend that we're like, man, we got to like pull some other people together and have a coven. That's that's my next goal in life. Yeah. Have a coven. (laughs) Yeah. I joined the Holy Witch. It was formerly the Witch's Box. Elena, the person who runs that, she's amazing. And it's it's all virtual, which like I would love to have people in person, but I've learned like so much from her. And and a lot of it is, I mean, her whole first, like the Holy Witch, it's basically like a witch school, really. And it's it starts with the 101. And the 101 was meditation. She's like, I know a lot of you don't like to hear this, but you have to meditate regularly. Yeah. And I was like, great, that I got. Next. <laughs> yes, right? I can do that. I'm good at that. I am real I good can, at that. I, yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have the Temple of Witchcraft here in Salem, New Hampshire. And so I've done so, some work and some learning with them. And they have a really amazing, like, years-long vision where they want to create, like, a whole witchcraft community where people can live and just be and I know like it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing so Mm -hmm. yeah I I, I try and connect with them when I can yeah and it's it's funny that like I don't know if you feel this way I have definitely created a life where everyone around me except for my mother-in-law probably are like really either into this stuff or just very accepting of this and there's no fear. But I mean, I grew up in a really Christian home and fuck, if my mom knew that I was like calling myself a witch now, she would like freak out and assume I'm going to hell. I'm sure the rest of my family does. But yeah, do do you get pushback? Do you ever get like bullshit? So religion in my family is a really loaded thing. Mm. There was a lot of just, I think, trauma from the church Mm -hmm. in my family. And it was something that when I was like a teenager, I was, you know, my parents pushed really hard to go to church. We had some throwdowns about going to church because I just did not feel like that was the place for me. You know, and I've had some family defect from the church after being really highly involved. Mm. You know, it's funny because like, it's just, there's just so much of myself I don't share with my family yeah. that, you know, I think they kind of know, but like we don't really talk about it. Yeah. So I don't know how they would take it. I don't know what they would do with it. Usually if they don't really know much about something or uncomfortable with it, it just isn't talked about. So based on their responses, I don't think they're super <laughs> comfortable with it. 
Yeah. What about like just people in your life in general? Like, I mean, I'm sure your family is like your immediate family. Yeah, my immediate family. So my daughter does witchy things with me. So she likes that. We'll do spells and things. And and we do our, we have a protection jar for our our home out on our porch. And so we renew Mm. it. So she likes to do that. And she likes to leave gifts for the fairies. And I don't have it in me to tell her like fairies are are actually kind of creepy, but you know, it's okay. (laughs) Cause she's only nine. (laughs) I don't want to put that in her yet, Um, but it's okay. We're befriending them. So, you know, so yeah, she does some stuff with me. She thinks it's really cool. She has gone to school and told people her mom is a witch. Oh my God. How does that go? (gasps) I was like, who did you tell? And I think one of her teachers that she told, she just laughed about it and smiled. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And one of the other kids told her, like, that's weird. <laughs> wow. Like, Let's not tell people about this. And my husband's amazing and supports me in everything. And he thinks it's cool and yeah. likes to learn stuff too. So, yeah. It's really funny. And now tell me about subject change, yeah. but tell me about the psychedelics. Stuff. Oh, my gosh. So, the caveat this with I'm like an I, I'm classifying myself as an intermediate beginner in this work because it is so big and there is so much to learn and know and there is still so much we don't know and so this is really like big shifts in mental health care yeah like in its infancy you know all mm-hmm. of this stuff is very early so right now what is legal is ketamine right and ketamine's been legal for a while. Hopefully MDMA is coming in the next few years, but you know, that keeps kind of shifting and changing. So it is definitely a shift in practice, just the protocol of care, how we prepare people. The medicine work is absolutely incredible. It adds a whole other layer of connection, Mm -hmm. vulnerability, the power of the therapy relationship in those spaces is everything, you know, to be with somebody where they are experiencing such lower defenses and really deeply connecting to themselves, often for the first time in really profound ways. I mean, that can be terrifying. Mm -hmm. It can be beautiful. It can be, I mean, it's everything. So I'm really energized by it and what's happening, but it's a big undertaking. Well, tell me about, because you've had to do it in order to be trained in it. So tell us about some of your experiences. So my most recent experience was on my IPI retreat and we did tell people what IPI is. IPI is the Integrated Psychiatric Institute and they are providing training of all kinds to therapists and medical providers who are looking to break into the field. Part of our training was going on a retreat where we did long medicine sessions, we observed, we sat, we held space, and we also got to experience how to explain the experience. You know, I went in never having had any experiences with ketamine at all in any way. And it was, it was so profound and beautiful. I really, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of buttered myself up to just lean into the surrender and just see what happened. And what unfolded for me was this really beautiful internal experience where I was able to differentiate myself from Mm. people in my family and smothering attachment figures and things like that Mm. in this very spiritual way. And it kind of, you know, bringing in my witchiness, you know, I turned into the earth and Mm. the ocean turned into my mother and, you know, the earth and the ocean are, you know, together, but also very separate. Wow! And we were able to come together and for that sense of that ocean mother to, you know, nurture me. And then we separated in a really loving and compassionate way. Wow. And she took away from me these things that, you know, I had been, you know, really struggling to hold on to. Mm. So it was, it was a pretty like incredible 
experience. And I don't know how I would have ever gotten there without doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it just speaks to like what we're missing in our work, mm-hmm. what we haven't had, which is the ability to to really help people get to their hearts. And I know like a NARM, you know, that's what we're always trying to do. You know, we're trying to get people to their hearts. Except we're not trying because we don't try. We we don't God, that's right. We don't ever be bad in the NARM. That's right. We don't try. We invite. Mm-hmm. This is like getting to your heart in mm-hmm. a such a, a yeah. amazingly powerful way. Yeah. You know I did ketamine, right? No. Did you know? I did yeah. Not so know that. tell me about it. Yeah. It was, was it in 2021? And I was just like so fucking depressed and yeah. I could not like get out of it. And I had gone to a treatment program for trauma in 2020. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, my psychiatrist was like, oh, you should try ketamine. And I'm like, I'm fine. I don't need that. <laughs> And I had the the whole reason I went off of Lexapro because I wanted Uh to do ayahuasca. So what fucking idiot am I that I'm like, I I would want to do ayahuasca, but I don't want to do ketamine. What a dummy. So, right. Ayahuasca is intense. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Ketamine was great. And I think I will stick with that because I need to stay on Lexapro. (laughs) I've realized. But so the way that he did it, it was the nasal spray. Yes. And I was by myself. And... So let's see, nine sessions, I think. So it was two in the first week. And the first, well, I don't know if it was the first one, but it might have been the first one that was the most profound. I brought my journal and I just wrote and I was having a conversation with something else. Yeah. That's what it was. And I was asking questions and it was giving me answers. And it was basically like telling me the secrets of the universe. And and the, the secret of the universe, everybody, is just love. That's the secret of the universe. It's all about love and none of this matters. And I I would love I actually want to do another journey because I it's so easy to get away from that truth. You know, when it comes like if I could strip everything away, that is what I believe. That it is that everything is love and everything that the bullshit of the world is just the shit that's piled on top that gets in the way of our true nature. Yeah, no, and that's it exactly. And I I love how when you talk with people who have had psychedelic experiences of, of any kind, that is always the meat in the heart is that it is yeah. about love and it is about that thread of connection that runs yeah. through all of us and everything and that our struggle and strife is when we are disconnected from that. And it's like, it's, it sounds so simple and right. it's so hard right. to get there. Right, right. And I have had, NARM profoundly changed me as a person and Kelly Klinger is my therapist, right? So you know Kelly. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so we, I mean, the shit that we have gotten to, like I am a profoundly different person than I was five years ago when I started that. And yeah, Knowing what I know about drugs, period, because there's nothing that drugs can do to you that can't be done naturally. And I know that because I've had natural psychedelic experiences without any drugs, too. Absolutely. So, but I think that psychedelics offer a, I guess, more direct path. Yeah. For some people. And so it might happen a little bit faster, which now that I say that, actually, I'm wondering, like, because when you talk about a norm, like needing to build the capacity to tolerate connections to oneself. Yes. I wonder if that's where, like, because I I think of a client of mine that I had sent to my psychiatrist to do ketamine. Mm -hmm. And from the outside, I'm like, oh, this was helpful for you. But that wasn't her internal experience. Like, I can see how it will be helpful in the long run. But I'm thinking back now and I'm like, oh, it's because we hadn't built the tolerance for her to, you know, deal with that. Yeah. I really think NARM is such an amazing preparation for this work. Like right now, I'm just starting to offer this to my clients before I kind of put it out in the world and take on new people. So I'm doing this with people I have established relationships with. I'm very comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my my comfort while I'm I'm doing this, getting started. Oh, yeah. Like really leaning heavily into that building, that capacity, helping them to start to just feel into, you know, some of those spots, some of that disconnection, 
in a way that's healing, I think is, is really good preparation. So when it does get difficult, you know, we're not having bad experiences. We're having a challenging experience with a lot of opportunity. And, you know, that also opens the client up to then also be receptive to the support that, you know, you're giving them in that moment and to be able to really feel into that. It reminds me of if, if, if I can, if if I can keep going, one of the parts of my own ketamine experience I have a, a family member who currently has cancer and, mm-hmm. you know, I really like knew like, okay, I, at some point, like I really need to deeply connect to this grief and it's all locked up. Mm. And so I had the opportunity to do that during my session mm. after, you know, this beautiful earth, water, mother, daughter thing happened. And mm. it was interesting because as I and I had eye shades on and, you know, headphones with the music, so I couldn't see anybody. I didn't know who was in the room. I had a therapist and an observer sitter And I was in this space and I, you know, was working through myself. I'm in my group. I'm crying. I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm I'm saying things. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I had this sense that like, I saw like this light kind of come into Mm -hmm. my vision behind my closed eyes Mm -hmm. and everything like soothed and calmed down. And I found out after that one of the assistants for our, our retreat training weekend came in and saw that like I was having, you know, a challenging experience. And then my observer, who w- was also really deeply connecting to what I was going through, was also crying. So she came in and just started to meditate and held space. And it was the Aww. same time when I saw that light and felt that calming was when she came in. Wow. And held that space. Mm. And I just thought that was like, I thought that was so incredible. Yeah, that's magical. It absolutely is magic. We are magic. Yeah. We are medicine for each other. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's just so beautiful. It's yeah. amazing to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I am so drawn to it personally, but I have no desire to do it in sessions. I And I think, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll just send them to you. I'll send my people to you. And <laughs> you myself. Know, you, you can. I think, I mean, obviously, like doing your own work in this is really important. Like, I will continue. Mm-hmm. I'm contemplating, you know, there's an ayahuasca church here in New Hampshire. I'm contemplating doing a retreat with them. Also, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to give up so loft, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I know. I'm That's like, the thing. I, I, I've, I've learned now I can't, yeah. I just can't get off of it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of grappling with that, but you know, there, there's other mm-hmm. opportunities. You know, you can go on mushroom retreats. Yeah, but I you got to keep me posted about retreats and stuff. I would love to go with Ooh, you. On okay, absolutely. I would love to have a mushroom retreat, buddy. So I'll let you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I started microdosing. Oh, how's that going? Yeah, I haven't noticed a difference. Okay. So I don't know, like, and it's, it's funny cause it's a company and I don't, I don't think I should say out loud what the company, I guess it's like, I know, is it legal? Is it? I don't I know. know. I don't I know. know. But one yeah. of my old supervisors who is like a total, she's just very, a, a very careful person. So I knew when she said she was doing it and recommended it, that it was like legit oh, and really good. Okay. But I feel, I, I, I don't know that I'm noticing anything and I'm bummed because I wanted yeah know, of course I want like a, I want a profound spiritual experience right? every time I do anything but that's like a, a real part of of psychedelics either in therapy or for your own personal exploration that there can be a lot of disappointment that goes along with yeah it. yeah absolutely will you tell people what sessions look like like the logistics of it yeah so for ketamine work and I'm, I'm just going to speak to ketamine work because that's what's legal. And so yep. like MDMA, mushrooms, or, or psilocybin, they're all different. So what you have is an intake with the therapist to screen for appropriateness for fit. So, you know, we don't obviously take people in active psychosis. We don't want to take people with a history of psychosis. 
anybody with active substance use, it's going to be questionable. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it is depending on the the kinds of substances they are potentially using. And there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like drug interactions, you know, concerns about things like elevated heart rate, like ketamine increases your heart rate if you're taking stimulants or cocaine. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They would come in and like, yeah, take my blood pressure. Yes. Yes. During sessions. Yeah. yeah, Like bad things can happen. And then there's some physiological constraints. You also need to be screened by a psychiatrist or prescriber Mm -hmm. well-versed in psychedelic medicine. And so like in your practice, you'll have a relationship with a psychiatrist who will. Yes, that is what we have to do. So if you're not going to go join an already established clinic, you have to find prescribers in the community that you trust that Mm -hmm. are willing to prescribe to your clients. So this is where things start to get difficult (laughs) because... Mm -hmm. Especially out here in New Hampshire, we don't have the largest population and we don't have, I mean, Mm -hmm. a a lot of providers. It's a very small pond out here and we're really short on people. So we're in the process right now of pulling together a little psychedelic professional community. And that's going really great. Like we're all, you know, kind of banding together going, okay, how are we going to do this? And what are our resources? And we're all kind of spread Mm -hmm. out, but we're making it work. So once you're, you're cleared, we do a pretty intense informed consent process. There's a lot of education. There's a lot of mm. discussing different kinds of boundaries. Mm. One of the things that can make psychedelic therapy different is the use of potential touch in sessions if it's being requested, mm. if somebody's having a challenging experience. So talking mm. about that, where the client boundaries may be, where the therapist boundaries may be around mm-hmm. that and working together, helping clients with the logistical aspect of it because you can't drive the day. You can't drive, you know, yourself home. You don't want to work to yeah. take care of children, things like that. And are you only doing it in person? I am doing it only in person right now. Okay. Yes. Okay. So all the informed consent and then you work on preparation. So what does your client need to be able to move into this space? And obviously that's going to vary in time in where the clients are Mm -hmm. at, even with people that I have been working with and have established relationships with, we're still taking several sessions to prepare. Oh, yeah. Especially if there's no experience or if they've Mm -hmm. had challenging experiences in the past. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because they're one of the things to work through, too, is people's kind of feelings about, okay, I'm going to I'm going to take what some people use as a party drug right. for therapy. So we're cutting through all mm-hmm. of those kind of cultural beliefs about these medicines and trying to kind of wind it back and say, okay, you know, everything can potentially be abused. You know, the the, the poison is the dose, right? This has legitimate, helpful therapeutic qualities. And this isn't, you know, a rave. This isn't a party. And (laughs) this is a very different purpose. And you're going to be safe. And we're going to do this in a way that is safe. And we're we're going to support you. So once you're prepared, the medicine sessions, everybody does it differently. You can do preparation sessions as their own standalone, like our, and then just schedule the medicine sessions. Some people like to have a prep session that leads into the medicine sessions. That makes your session's three hours long. Yeah. So if that is not for you, and it, it's not always for, for clients either. Some people, you know, like that, some don't. I'm preferring, I'm finding, I'm preferring breaking it up personally. I think mm-hmm. that, that feels, I think, not as much as a marathon <laughs> of, of therapy. Yeah. The medicine sessions I'm booking about two hours for. And so as I start doing this more and more, I'll probably have them go for two hours. So I'm doing intranasal ketamine with clients right now. I'd love to find somebody who is willing to do intramuscular. I will find them somewhere. Have you done IV or just the... So I I personally am not really interested in in offering clients the IV just Mm -hmm. because there's really... I mean, like there's a lot of therapeutic purpose during those sessions because it seems like you're just so out of it. What I do do with people though... And this is important if anybody is doing IV ketamine, 
please seek out somebody to do preparation and integration with you around your IV sessions. I have done definitely some reparative work with people who have some really, really intense, really terrifying experiences in their IV sessions where they were Mm -hmm. really alone and you're kind of trapped. Right. And it's just such a medical, such a medical thing. Sterile environment. Yeah. You got the IV Mm -hmm. in your arm. You really can't move. There may or may not be somebody there who can knows how to support you that you have a Mm -hmm. compassionate relationship with that you can trust. So yeah, if you're if you're doing IV ketamine sessions, please please invest in a therapist as well for yeah. the preparation and the integration, and find somebody who who is versed in psychedelic medicine and can understand, mm-hmm. you know, what you're going through. Can talk with your providers and coordinate, and it really see you through and make sure that you're getting everything you need out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do the internasal in office. And 24 to 48 hours after we have an integration session where mm. we're really deepening into the insights and kind of touching into, okay, you know, where are you at? What's resonating? Taking as much advantage as we can of that window of increased, you know, neuroplasticity and connection. And then, you know, ongoing support around how do we make these actionable changes into your life? Right now, I'm doing a session a week. I think. And that's due to the level of functioning of the current client I'm working with by Mm -hmm. people coming up. I'm looking at doing two a week for a month and then slowly tapering them down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And what it, because I I listened to a podcast, I cannot remember what it was called, but, and it was supposed to be ongoing. I should look back and see if it still exists. But they were talking about the, I guess, the dangers and the abuses that have happened in early, like psychedelic communities mm-hmm. where people have really taken advantage of, yeah. of people that they're working with. And I don't think yeah. any of it was like, I'm going to get these yeah. people vulnerable and do it. It's that people not integrating their own relationship with power and their own relationship with, yes. you know, whatever malevolent forces are shadows that are within all of us yeah. and then inadvertently taking advantage of people. So how, like, w- what are they talking about in terms of safety in your training? Yeah. So there is a really large emphasis on developing the ethics and the practitioner ethics mm-hmm. around this work because it is more intense. Kind of speaking like to that experience I had when in my own session, when I had that sense of somebody coming in, like there is an openness that even if you're not on the medicine, you can you you do feel a shift in yourself. And so really, really honoring the position that you are having people be in and holding the sacredness of, I think, the work that you do and the power, like you said, that that you you do have. It definitely increases the power differential because you are in a very vulnerable, more open, suggestible state when you're on psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Obviously, self-care, doing your own work is, I mean, like, it's absolutely a must. Seeking out clinical supervision you know, it's in private practice, you can kind of be an island unto yourself. And you're going to get into trouble if you are an island unto yourself Mm -hmm. in this work. Mm -hmm. Like there is so much potential for for things to potentially go south. Yeah. So, you know, really holding strong to, you know, we're sort of weed whacking up a mountain in doing this work (laughs) and trying to move it ahead. Mm -hmm. And we have to hold the front lines of the ethics in this. We, it is a must because if we don't, all of this is going to go away. And Mm -hmm. the fact is that this is really helping people in in profound ways when other things have not. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of responsibility but it's also, I think, such a, a privilege to be in the front lines of, you know, something that has the potential to be so transformative yeah. for us. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's it's something that was happening before you and I were even born. And then, you know, thanks, Nixon, for the war on drugs and kind of putting the kibosh on all of the, well, not all of it, like MAPS has been around 
for a long time, the what is it? Yeah. Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Is that what it stands for? Yes. I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've been like championing this for a really long time. They have been working for so long and so hard. Like, man, bless Rick Doblin and his work and his perseverance in this and the belief and, you know, yeah. this to really understand like the place that everybody doing this work is coming from is, you know, early studies around this that were being you know, FDA approved and given the go-aheads were all around helping people facing terminal illness and death. Yeah. These are medicines that were, you know, justified their use because, you know, people were facing end-of-life terror. And these experiences gave people, I mean, their last months of happiness and connection with their families. Mm -hmm. It allowed people to die with dignity and Mm -hmm love and yeah i mean it's if you if you look at that and and hold that you know that is one of and that is continues to be a really powerful use of, for psychedelic medicine mm-hmm. it's a big responsibility like we cannot we can't lose that and right yeah i'm i think a lot of us are very excited too about what this means for kind of bringing back a you know more i don't know connected to the earth kind of slant to our culture because we are so individualistic. Yep. Yep. And cut off. Yep. And the problem, not the prop, well, like in, in a rigid, like scientific only based like therapy sort of model, CBT is what is the gold standard. And then the third wave, right? DBT and ACT and yes, 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 fine. Great. But it's so challenging, like things like NARM that are not quote unquote evidence-based or any of the other somatic therapies and psychedelic therapy obviously has science based to it, but it's so individualized for healing. And that's why it can't become evidence-based practice. Right. And I, it's just, I'm so, I'm so fucking frustrated with our culture and how the antithesis of healing is, is standardizing. To me. Yeah. It's, I mean, listen, it's, it's exhausting yeah. because, you know, there's so many of us trying to push this deeper work forward mm-hmm. and, you know, like we're, we're in the trenches with people, you know, we see right. clients who have had tons of DBT and tons of act in CBT. Most of my clients have years of therapy and never got even close to what they ultimately needed to heal. Right. And, you know, as our world becomes more stressed and, Mm -hmm. you know, we have more and more, you know, terrifying things looming that we don't know what will happen and mental health continues to become a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like we are going to need this because coping skills, like telling yourself everything's going to be okay when things might not be okay Mm -hmm. is not going to cut it. Right. For much longer. And I'm thinking about, you know, the the tech industries that are trying to come in and capitalize on the need for mental health right now, right? Like I think of companies like Mindbloom who are offering ketamine, which is people don't understand. Like I'm not bitching about accessibility. I want it to be accessible, but you cannot shortcut this shit because it is dangerous. Like just think of some impressionable, suicidal, depressed teen who gets a hand on ketamine. They don't yes. fucking know what they're doing and they could kill themselves, right? Or or you know, insta- like have a psychotic break or you know whatever could happen. Like this yeah. shit, this is why we have to have professional regulations and ethics to keep people safe. And we have to have therapists doing their work because there's so many therapists not doing their work who think that they're great and they're using their power inappropriately. I'm just mad. Heather, I'm mad. I, no, and I echo all of that. I'm I'm mad too. And it, listen, it's setting people up for expectations that are so unrealistic yes. because out yes. in the world, you know, people are like, oh, I'll just take some ketamine and I'm never gonna feel this again. And right. that no. Right. No, this, no, it is a tool. No. It is a yeah. new doorway to walk through. Yeah. And that's it. And you're still gonna have to do the work on the other side of that door. Mm-hmm. And yes. it it, yes. it can absolutely be incredibly dangerous. And I think it really mm-hmm. cheapens 
our profession as a whole to just boil this Mm -hmm. down to, you know, you can take a medicine and magically everything will be better. Right. The, The power of these experiences. And if you look at, you know, like, like ayahuasca, you know, that is done in a sacred ceremonial space with layers of people. You have Mm -hmm. the participants, you have sitters, you have usually some sort of, you know, shaman or spiritual guide. You have Mm -hmm. other people there who are, you know, there for maybe looking at protection and monitoring people medically. Like Mm -hmm. there's layers and it takes a whole community. Community. Yes. Yeah, we we need we yeah shifts need to happen. It's mm-hmm. exhausting. It's so tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. I'm tired. Mad too. Yeah. God damn it. Who do we blame? I want like one person. Like you know, we can blame Hitler for World War II, right? Like who do we blame for <laughs> capitalism? I want one name. <laughs> right. I know that would be that actually would be really helpful Ooh, for all of it. I want to. I want a name for capitalism. A name for mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. A name for like. Like mm-hmm. climate change yeah. stuff. Like mm-hmm. name for all of it. Who the who, a name for insurance? Like who can yep. we who can we blame? <laughs> oh, man, man. But it it does, you know, speaking of community, it heartens me to meet people like you and other people who are do you know, doing the work. The, I don't want to say that there's a right and a wrong way, but I, I think I think when we're leading with our own you know, wounded healer parts, that that's a better way than leading with our brains who think they know everything. I absolutely think so. And that is the missing piece, I think, in so much therapy training and experience Mm -hmm. is that how do you use yourself? Because we are our most powerful tools. Our presence is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, how how do you like the term healer yeah. as applied to what you do? <sighs> you know, I if you had asked me this like five, six years ago, I would have been like, ew, I'm not a healer. But now as I fully embrace and connect to my beautiful wooey internal self, mm-hmm. I think I'm absolutely a healer. Mm-hmm. I like that term. Yeah. I think it's empowering. I think it speaks to the power of the work we do. And I don't try to take that in as like, I am magically doing something mm-hmm. to people, yep. but I, yep. I'm i a part of people's healing and I help people facilitate yeah. those experiences. And I, I'm, you know, I hold that for them. So I mm-hmm. like that. I'm going to take that in. I like that you like it. Yes. I do too. And I I feel the exact same way you do that. It's not like I am doing something to you, but you know what? I've got gifts and why should we? Why should I not say like, yeah, I've got healing qualities to me that really support people in moving in different ways. Yes. I feel like it's kind of a, I don't know if you had these experiences, but like in your training, there was so much like, I felt like we had to be so humbled Mm -hmm. and there Mm -hmm. was not really a lot of space to Mm -hmm. be like, I can be good at this and I can have some confidence in my work. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it feels like using that term is reclaiming those parts of myself that mm-hmm. I use in my work that that do help people grow and heal and you know do all the wonderful things that they hope to do in their lives. Yeah. And how do you like wounded healer? <sighs> uh, I mean, it's true. <laughs> Um, absolutely. True. It hurts because it's it true. Hurts because it's true. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it feels very vulnerable and, yeah. you know, to have to admit that. But I mean, there's there's also nothing wrong with admitting that. So, yeah, yeah I like to. F- yes, I am a wounded healer and I'm always in the process of healing so I can continue to do the work of healing others in the world. I love it. And I love you. I love our connection. Aww. I love our connection too. Yeah. You're one of those friends that like we don't spend a lot of time talking with each other, but I fucking love when your shit comes up on social media. I love when we ever do get to chit chat and I I love seeing what you're doing. Ah, thanks. Well, I'll keep you definitely in the loop. Yes. Yes. Tell me about all retreats psychedelic. Yes. I'll look for mushroom retreats too, because that's my next thing I want to do. That's amazing. Well, where can people find you? 
So my practice does not have social media presence because I just have never done that. But I do. My website is just treelifetherapy.com. And you can find me there and my emails there. So if anybody listening has questions or I don't know, anything wants to share something, I would love to hear it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I loved this conversation. Well, thank you, Sarah. I loved it as well. How was it for your first time? You know, I I feel very empowered right now. And I'm like, why was I scared? Right. No reason to be scared. But it's good that you, it's fine. It all worked out. it It was good. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. You're amazing. Oh, thank you, Sarah. So are you. Thank you for everything you do for the world. (laughs) Thanks to our guest for an amazing conversation today. To find out more about today's guest, you can visit www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. You can find Sarah at at headheartbiztherapy on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find Anne at at spareroomwellness or spareroomwellness.com. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.